1: In shocking reminder of Premier League's bias against Arsenal, they are forcing us to play half our games away this season. This is the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. My name is Elliot Smith, and you can block me on Twitter at Yankee Gunner. That's right, it's the kind of bias that you just see time and time again against Arsenal. We're playing on Monday before playing Napoli on Thursday. We'll have games at times that don't make sense for the fans, but I think the most shocking of all are the 19, is that right? 19, yes, 19 away games. I mean, it's stunning to think if they just gave us 30 of the 38 games at home, we'd surely be champions. But instead, we are grappling for top four because of our away form. And uh, it is something we are going to discuss today. I want to say uh, thank you, for everyone, for having patience with this one coming out. I had some travel that interfered. Uh, the team should have cracked on without me, but I whined and moaned like a tiny little baby, and so they didn't. So I appreciate them doing that, and I'm sorry for all the listeners who had to not only wait for the pod to come out, but wait for it to come out with me included. In any event, pause on Twitter, pause in my pants, hello, pause. Woohoo!
2: no man left behind.
1: No man left behind, except if that man is playing football away from the Emirates Stadium. Tim, you can find him on Twitter, at Stoberto. Hello, Tim. Hello. Lovely day up in Liverpool, I assume? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Clive, you can find him on Twitter at Clive P A F C. Hello, Clive. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. We've got a shirt giveaway. We're going to be posting it soon. So uh, at the end of the month, we're going to give away an Arsenal shirt, uh, one free Arsenal shirt of your choosing, home or away. Why would you pick the away shirt? Nobody ever wins in it. Um, But we're going to give it away. uh, And you can't pick Mustafi, but anyone else. Um, yeah, we're going to give that away at the end of the month and then we're going to give another one away for patrons also so there'll there'll be two opportunities to win if you're a patron but if you're not, either way, we're still going to give away a shirt um, and we we just appreciate you being there. We have a lot to get to so we'll dive right into it and, uh, oh, sorry, one more thing, one more bit of housekeeping, I apologize. So we are now a finalist for the FBA's Best Podcast thingy which uh, I think all credit to Scott and Tim and Paul and Clive um, but I'm going to be the one to tell you about it. So, uh, yeah, it's it's the finalist stuff going on right now, and the best way to just figure out how you can vote for us or really anyone else is to go to our website, arsenalvisionpodcast.com forward slash FBAS, FBAs, and all the ways to vote are right there. You can tweet it out. You can do a bunch of other things. Okay, that's enough. Clive, I'll start with you today because I am accused what? of never starting with you, which is true because... <laughs> I was
3: sitting there drinking red wine. Yeah, I know. The the reason
1: I'm starting with you is because I know secretly you're like trying to watch TV and eat and drink and stuff and I just thought it'd be fun to to disrupt you. Um, So, all right, I was in New York City this past weekend. It was great to see friends, Matt, uh, Tim, Dave, Adam, a a whole crew of people, and the night before the game we were having a lot of drinks and uh, through the haze of that drinking, I made the point that I thought there was a chance that an elneny Ganduzi midfield could get picked by necessity, and if that were the case, I wouldn't have a lot of confidence in the result. I am curious to get your take on whether you think the team Emery put out, and we can get to why he had to put that team out. I have a lot of sympathy for that. Do you think the team he put out is good enough to win this game?
3: Uh, yes, I do. From Purely from a personnel perspective, but the way we played was not. And I think it's very easy as, as as fans to really focus on what's different. So when we played the back three against Newcastle, I didn't hear too much moaning on this podcast, anybody? Did you? I didn't really hear it. And, and, and what was different? We had to make some changes. We hoped for certain people to come back and add some energy to the team. But he picked the team that basically... He had to pick based on injury suspension, and we were just maybe you know we were a little bit caught in centre field from a um, energy perspective, intensity perspective. but let's let's be really honest here, right? Um, you know when things go well, after they' great, when they don't. We have a shaky defence, we have a midfielder that doesn't quite control the games, and we have forwards which have, have a bias for scoring goals mostly at home. And that's where we are. I've, I read somewhere that something like we've had six points out of the last 26 away from home, and only three teams have a worse away record than us in Huddersfield, Bournemouth and Fulham. And then we all get excited about our team, we all get excited about the potential results. I'm not sure how many of us did predicted we'd lose at Everton, but um, when it comes down to it, this team, this club has a problem in how it approaches away games. And I personally don't think it's just wrapped up in the team selection. I think it's a lot more about how we approach the game from a tactical point of view, from an in position point of view, how we impose our game on others. And, it's very easy for me to focus on the mentality, but I do feel if you have a weak mentality away from home, you have to supplement that by having a, a strategy about how you approach away game. And a lot of that is imposing yourself on other teams. And so you've heard me say in the past you know about having swagger when you go into ground. I think you've got to have the personality to play. And I think sometimes I also just want to play. They want to play the game they want to play. And they have to work harder to make sure that happens away from home. I think at home, we can just play. And uh, it seems to work and teams drop away and we are really ferocious and there's a connection to the crowd. But away from home, we have to generate that ourselves and work a lot harder at doing it. And and we're not. And And basically, that's what's happening. And it's been happening for a couple of years now. And I think we need to change something Mm. um i'm not sure if the manager knows quite what it is um i've got some suggestions but we'll come to that later yeah sure
1: i mean the the really funny thing for me is i think that you can get into the tactics and you can get into the mentality but i also think we are always quick to dismiss quality just plain and simple quality and you look at players like mustafi nacho monreal El nenny, Ainsley Maitland-Niles, and in that collection of players, you have a combination of guys that are, you know, past their best, you know, into the, the lesser years of their career. A guy like Nacho Monreal, and you have a guy in Mustafi who is doing something, you know, an interpretive dance. I don't know what it is. It's not really football. You have Maitland-Niles, a young player with uh, who has looked bright in recent games, but still learning his position. It's not even really his position. Same with Gendouzi, learning his position. 19, played a lot of football. And Elneny, who... Even if I liked him, which I don't, he hasn't played hardly at all this season, and he's certainly not a progressive player. And you look at all of that and you say, gosh, it puts a lot, all of the burden, on three players, Lacazette, Mikatarian and Ozil to do everything. And I think the back three has been, you know, you said Newcastle, we weren't upset about it. When you put Ramsey into a midfield with Gendouzi and let him run forward, you really get that fourth attacker. The one away game where we've been more progressive and we did take the game by the scruff of the neck, which was at Spurs, we played a back four. And if you look at the back three, where we've struggled away from home this season, it's Gendouzi and Shaka, Ganduzi and Shaka, Ganduzi and Shaka in a midfield duo with a back three behind them. And I just think it says to three players up front, the entire burden is on you. Tim, I feel that while the mentality thing is there, a lot of people want to say, oh, we were bad away last season, and we're <clears> bad <throat> away this season. <throat> so that proves it's more than just the manager or the team selection, that it goes to something to do with the club. And I think the problem is that correlation doesn't equal causation. Last season we started, we had Alexis, we had Giroud, then we had Aubameyang and Mkhitaryan. We didn't have Torreira, we didn't have Gunduzi, we didn't have Leno. We didn't have Socrates. These aren't the same players walking out there, and they aren't the same situation, and they aren't playing the same formation. I think you can also, last season, point to the fact that half the season, we basically gave up the league to go for Europa because we were already cut adrift from top four. So Mm -hmm. I think trying to relate the two is maybe erroneous because, yeah, we were poor away last season and poor away this season, but they can be for different reasons. So for you, when you look at the way we played in this game and how we've been away overall, are you inclined to think that Emery has maybe yet to learn that as a big club in the Premier League, you've got to really go after teams even away? Or or do you lean more towards there is a psychological barrier here we have to get past?
4: Um, I think it's a bit of both. So I think look, my my theory last season, I, I, you make a good point in terms of in the second half of the season, we basically threw the towel in on the Premier League anyway, which led to some dodgy away results. But the, the pattern last season, quite a lot, was we were going 1-0 up and losing... Um, away from home and and my theory for that at the time was that whenever there was a change in temperature or intensity from the opponents we couldn't handle it so we'd be doing all right um, we'd be poodling along we'd go one nil up and because, you know, the the other team got the, are at home and there's a bit more of incentive, they go, right, we've got to play now. And they turn the temperature up and we couldn't handle it. And um, if you look, the, the kind of the bad away form starts two seasons ago with those two games in a week at Everton and Man City, where we do exactly the same thing. We go 1-0 up at halftime, cruising. They come out the second half with the fire up their arse and we, we can't do anything about it. I still think there's a bit of that going on. I don't think it's quite the same. I do think that this team struggles with adversity. I think that's probably partly psychological and it's partly tactical. I'm not sure Emery's teams are really built to chase games. And um, we haven't won that many points from behind this season. We're one of those teams that really needs to go 1-0 up um, because we've got a manager who really likes a structured game. And Arsenal don't have many players anymore um, who who can work outside of a structure uh, when games become chaotic. I don't think we really have the players um, to kind of go for that. I was having a conversation with someone today and saying that basically... I think uh, dribbling, for example, has never, ever been more important in football than it is now Mm. because games at the top level are so choreographed and they're so structured and coaches are so on top of everything that an unstructured act like dribbling just creates a bit of chaos. And there's a huge value in that. And we, we don't have many players who kind of thrive on chaos. We have players who thrive on control. And I was thinking about Xhaka, for example, and I was thinking with this game, I was thinking like probably 70% of me thinks we, we really missed him. But then 30% of me thinks I've seen Xhaka in games like this before. And um, he he can be a bit of a disaster area. I I tend to think he might've had quite a good game in parts and quite a terrible game in others. So, I, I think in reality, what's probably going on with the away form, I think you're right. I think it's probably distinct from last season, but we're trying to find answers and we're not quite getting them. And I, I do kind of agree. I've said many times over the past few th- past few weeks, I think our uptick in form has been down to putting that extra attacker in, that number 10, uh, be it Ramsey or Ozil. And you're right, we didn't have that number 10 this time. We had three three forward players instead of four. And I think that's a bit of it. I do think there is a bit of a psychological thing, a mental block. There is a bit of, um, you know, the degree to which Arsenal's a bit of a sunshine team. You know, we've, we've got lots of sunshine players um, who look good when they're in control. And um, I, I think maybe this is just a part of our transfer policy in terms of the players that we can get. There's kind of two ways you can go um, when you're when you're a kind of second-tier club like Arsenal you can either go for potential um and try and rely on uh, kind of getting a bit of an uptick and, and and I'd say like a signing like Leno and Torreira that points much more towards that whereas in the past I think we've gone for players like Xhaka and Mustafi who um pretty good 70% of the time maybe even more but just have that the reason they're not elite players is because they have that enormous mistake in them and we've probably just got too many players like that as well so I I think in reality what's going on is and why it's so so difficult to solve is there's probably five or six little things all going on at the same time that account for about between 10 and 20% of the problem each and and that's what we're seeing and that's why it's been so difficult to solve.
1: Yeah, I, I like a lot of that, and I think I agree with a lot of that. And I, I just look at it, and ultimately, it seems so over overly simplified to say this, and that's why it's coming from me, because it doesn't require any complexity or sophistication of thought. But, you know, we are a team with a lot of attacking talent, and we are a team that has proven this season, no matter how many ways Emery has tried, that we're not going to be able to shut down the opposition. Um, and in our last run of good form, every game since Bate Borisov away— we've had the lead at halftime. And our shot totals have been rising and our XG has been rising. And I think the problem with this game, and again, I said I had sympathy for him, Tim, because he couldn't pick Ramsey from the start. He didn't feel he could. Mm -hmm. Um, And he didn't have Shaq, and he didn't have Torreira, and he didn't have Koscielny. And there are a lot of problems there. I just look at this and I say, you know, we we had one shot at halftime. We had six in the second half. Now, six isn't amazing, but six in each half would have been 12, and that's about what we average, you know? So Mm -hmm. it's definitely the case... That the way we played in the first half, we just did not have the ability to hurt them. And I I don't, you know, obviously he could have maybe put Aubameyang on him. Paul, this is sort of what I want to lean towards now. Instead of just the theoretical part of why we're poor away, in this game specifically, you know, it was pretty clear pretty early on that we were struggling to hurt them. It was just a bad game of football too, by the way. We had a short corner routine that got knocked straight out for, touch for, uh, for a goal kick. We had a throw-in from Maitland-Niles that he threw literally out for a goal kick. Ganduzi passed to no one. Mikatarian um, couldn't, you know, get the ball off his feet properly except for the one that went right by the post. So there were just a lot of really weird, uncharacteristic, sloppy plays in this game. But is there something specifically you think he could have done from the start given the players that were available that might have given us more impetus in this match from the start?
2: Well, I, I agree with kind of where Tim's at on this in that I think it's a bunch of different things. A bunch of little things, and that's why it's so perplexing for everybody. Uh, because I don't find it satisfying to come up with one particular reason. When I, uh, I agree with you on the lineup, I don't think he had too many choices. Uh, there's not too many ways to to slice it. Um, it's tough
1: to keep Obama Yang's goals on the bench. That that would be my only comment. Is. is you know we don't shoot a lot. Lacazette has a lot of great qualities. He's not a high volume chance getter, a shot taker, and that would be the one comment for me
2: yeah but the perplexing thing is he comes on he gets a whole 45 minutes in the second half uh in fact we've got i mean look who we've got in the second half we've got Ganduzi, Ramsey, obama yang ozil mkhitaryan and lacazette in our front six now i know it matters if you go goal down i know they sit a little deeper i know blah 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 but jesus we produce so little with mm. those that front six it's just astonishing we had, uh, you know, we went to four at the back, obviously, with that, um, you know, we swap Ozil, I thought was, you know, if you go around the team, I think there were some players who were okay in this game. Uh, I, I thought Leno was great and Socrates Ars uh, after a slow start was man of the match seemed to block everything that came near it or deflect its orbit, uh, uh, Mikatorian was shit in the first half but I actually thought it was he was actually pretty good across the second half. Ramsey had a good spell in the second half. I thought Lacazette toiled manfully and yet it didn't all had, uh, uh, pile up to a A hill of beans here and so i where did i get that expression from i must be from the from the is it from the south elliot must be from the south what am i Um, what am i our
1: southern correspondent now
2: it doesn't (laughs) pile up to a hill of grits
1: it's going to be a blizzard where i live literally three days from now we're getting 10 (laughs) inches of snow i mean i did live in nashville but i don't know how many hills of grits amount to a pile of beans so i'm sorry i can't help you there
2: (laughs) yeah so so back to my point, whatever the hell it was. I don't, I, I don't imagine um, there
1: was one, but fire away.
2: <laughs> here, here's what I really saw in the first half, which is we had no way of breaking them down. We, we talked about, or Clive hinted to our lack of maybe size and power to contest the midfield. We only had two midfielders cuz outside of that it was Ozil dropping in to help out, not the most uh physically int- intimidating third midfielder. It wasn't too surprising that e- uh, Everton outpowered us and outenergied us. I just thought it would drop at some point. Uh and it never really did or or, or not enough that the you, you could see the uh the the waterline hitting where we needed to be. So what I thought the first half needed was an ability to play out from the back because Leno was in form. He's good with the ball at his feet, but you saw, I don't know, five, six times where our three guys at the back were in a straight line, basically standing on the ball, scratching their heads as to whether it was even worth passing to another center back or a midfielder. Um, I was very disappointed in El Uh, I mean, let uh, I know we, we've now consigned him to being pretty average, yet we can all remember a number of games in which he kind of lit it up and decided he was actually an exciting player. But, but he also player. hasn't played
1: much, right? I mean, he's played yeah, yeah. so little, and, and so those parts of his game aren't don't come natural. And with very little playing time under his belt, it's asking a lot for him to infuse the game with the qualities that aren't his strong suit to begin with.
2: Sure. And I'm not looking to knock the human.
1: Oh, I, I <laughs> um, am. No, d- would you like to see that to me? I'm happy to take yeah, the low I'll leave ground. Yeah, I that to okay, you. Uh, okay,
2: uh, Yeah, but it could. You know, we could have done more. I, I, I guess I can understand what the manager was hoping for. I thought we- Genduzi was okay, but still looked a little tired in this game. I think he is a dribbler. I think he can beat his man, but we needed. Probably, we probably needed three midfielders in the first half and some energetic midfielders, and we needed to be able to uh, pull them onto us at the back. Uh, with Leno and a couple of passing. uh, I mean, I I like Socrates. I think he's a reasonable passer. Mustafi, uh, back to your point earlier when you listed whatever five players, the one thing you can say about Mustafi is he's at his peak. He's what? 26 or 27
1: now. Is is that meant to be a compliment for him? Is that an argument in favor or against him? I'm confused. Are you saying saying we've
4: we've hit peak
1: Mustafa? Is that what (laughs) you're saying? I think might have. He's not getting any taller, that's for sure.
2: (laughs) Uh, But his passing in the last few weeks, I mean, here I am, his biggest defender, has been utter garbage uh monreal clearly had an off game and we just couldn't play out from the back and we didn't have options to switch that up you can't put put that on maitland niles and i think that's what we needed to kind of if we weren't going to put obama yang up front to get in behind them uh the way uh calvert calvert lewin was doing to us given our center backs problems and we didn't have the energy in midfield. Uh, I think we were short of a lot of options, and and this year we have not cracked playing out from the back, despite a couple of games where it looked like we might have.
1: Yeah, I look, I. So for me, and and not that anyone cares what for me, but like we know we aren't going to be great defensively. Obviously, we have to lean on our attack, and because we're not doing that as much away, and I think that is partly by design, partly. And again, this game is an outlier in the sense that. To be fair, there were limitations to the team he could pick. And so we we all know what those are. We've just covered them, so we don't need to cover them again. I mean, look at Manchester United, you know, if you can avoid being nauseated. Manchester United are worse than us defensively away. They actually have a higher XG allowed away than we do. But they have 10 XG scored more than us away and 10 points more than us away. And I think it points to the fact that like, you know, and and maybe I'm doing a correlation causation problem there myself. But like, it certainly points to the fact that like big clubs need to be the hashtag protagonists, not just at home, but away from home as well. And, And I think in this game, you know, we took it to him early. I mean, Lacazette got in the box. He probably should have had a penalty. After that, we were, I felt very, very passive. And I think that starts from that midfield and I think it is a bit of a problem. I mean, this is an incredible statistic. You guys want to hear something that I think is pretty wild? Our midfield duo on this, in this game was El Elneny and Ganduzi. Correct? At least for part of the game? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. In their time together on the pitch, in, in total, they both, between them combined, completed 12 passes in the attacking third. Four for Elneny, eight for Ganduzi. Aaron Ramsey played in the midfield against Newcastle in a back three. We agree with that, right? With Ganduzi. In that Mm. game, Aaron Ramsey by himself completed 18 attacking third passes, okay? And the reason I bring that up is I just think it shows the difference when the midfielder in the back three, when one of the two is really more of an attacking support player than a midfield support player. And I really thought we missed that. And it meant those three players had a lot on their shoulders. And to be fair, Mkhitaryan's been arguably our best attacking player since he came back from injury. And him having an off day really really made it harder i mean clive before we get into specifics there are a lot of specifics to get to you have sort of a final thought on like why the game went this way beyond just you know the players that weren't available
3: yeah so you know i don't like looking at the players but i like looking at the story of the game so we were talking about a few weeks ago and most of us on on this podcast we quite like the back three but i remember i mentioned to you that you know what we talk about Mustafi. I said, He wouldn't surprise me if he went a back four against Everton and put Mustafi at right back, and everyone laughed. I got a bit of stick online, all the rest of it. And I mentioned because of Calvert Lewin. But I'd watched Calvert Lewin a few times. And I could see what they were doing Everton. They were hitting Calvert-Lewin. They took Walker out of the team. And they were hitting Richarlison. And they were playing second-ball football. And they've got a, a very good sprinter in a, in a, Idrissa Gay. So what Everton did is they went long. Once they, We started off quite well, actually, for the first few minutes. But once we got Lacazette kicked out of the game and he started sulking, they started to go along, thinking, we don't like this, we're not in control, let's just test them. And they started to test us, and then we started to show a little bit of frailties. And they went down the size that a back three offers you. And the reason they were able to do that is because we didn't press the ball up high. Because, like I said, a brilliant presser was limping and sulking about his kick on his ankle that he got from... Um, We've got it from him, and so basically, we had no pressure on the ball up top, and they had times to get their head up and strike the ball into our channels and up to Calvert Lewin. And what this does, Elliot, is it disconnects us. It disconnects the compartments in our team. And you're now asking the two Bob Marley joggers to jog back and be second ball footballers and they're not great sprinters and they jog back almost identical foot speed you'd think that they just just jogging back because they're the same players psychologically they just want to get back for the for our back three to give it to them but no one's getting back to win the race to the ball and to so we can sustain attacks it's called regain retain right regain it retain it turn it around make them play so what we were doing with the everton were building pressure building fouls, getting the crowd into the game. And once Tim will tell you, once Everton's crowd get into the game, it's a different game, completely different. I don't think I've ever been to a ground where it's more partisan when it comes to fouls, comes to referees, incidents. They are on their toes. So now you've got them in the game, and now it's a different game. And so that disconnection is the cause for all of the player performances we're talking about. Gwenduzi and Elneny don't want that game. Ozil does not want the game where he's playing back to goal, coming back in. We were looking for and I felt it was a little bit wide in the first half. Our wing backs were both atrocious. Forget the formation. Colestini did was not ready to play the game. And and Niles was playing on under-23 game. I don't know what he was doing. And so we had too many people not playing well that were disconnected by Everton's Tactics to go long, to stretch our team out. We haven't got a team built on recovery, refilling in. We have not. We are, We've got a team based on control. That want to control, face the right direction, and play at a pace they want to play. And so they they won the tactical battle. We went to a back four. What that does is it takes away the channel ball, and allows us to press them in defence. And for the twenty minutes where we looked like Arsenal Football Club, all that happened was we pressed the game. We were more progressive, we were more busy, more active. And we pressed them, and they gave the ball away because they didn't have time to get their head up to provide any quality game forward. But then what Everton did is they put they put people around Ramsey, they stopped the flow, they stopped the energy... And basically, for 20 minutes, Ramsey, you can see why he didn't start, because I don't think he was truly fit to start. And once he ran out of energy, they were they came back into the game again, and should have won by two or three goals. We had a one-paced team that did not know how to win the races to the ball. I agree with Tim's point about Shaka. The player we missed the most was Torreira, actually, because he was a sprinter. He would have stopped the sustained attacks. He would have competed really well with Adrisa Gay. And I think that's the player that we missed the most in this game, alongside a super fit Ramsey, progressing and really energy. And I know it's very easy in hindsight to pick tactics, but this was a game for, a Must, um, you know, we could pick all the players, you know, Mustafi at right back, where you basically have four centre-backs heading the ball away, not offering the sides, and really making sure we regained it. So four Diamond 2, I agree with your point, Elliot, I don't see how Arsenal Football Club, if you want to win away games, given the two strikers that we have, we have to say to ourselves, we've got to get them on the pitch, we have to stop passing around our back three, we have to start playing in more threatening areas, and we have to impose our game on teams for much longer than what we did in this game, and say, we're coming here to play you, you're going to have to mark our two best players, which are our two forwards, and you're going to be running back towards your goal, and the quality of your distribution will be impinged by the fact we're going to press you out the game and we've got to develop that type of strategy away forget and, and the formation can change but that's how we got to play because if yeah. we don't we're not going to make that we're not going to make it yeah we can't I- afford to have people sitting on the sideline full of energy full of sprinting power sitting there waiting for the game state to change
1: yeah, with the greatest will in the world, Tel Nenny, I, I would have played a Wobian in midfield if you're going to go with that back three. You need someone to connect the departments more. I just thought, you know, Ozil and, and Mkhitaryan were dropping deeper and deeper. And how much did we see, you know, a lot of people said Lacazette had a bad game. I do think Lacazette had an off game. But he was basically just smushed between two big center backs the whole game. He was just getting constantly beat up by the center backs. And he was very isolated there. And as Ozil and Mkhitaryan dropped deeper to collect the ball, it, there was no pressure on, on Everton's back line.
3: They disconnected us. Yeah. They disconnected us with the but, with the length of their game. And we did not have a team that could cope with the length of the game that that they put on us. If we had more athletic midfielders on the pitch, we would have basically done a lot better to sustain yes. control. Yeah,
1: I look I totally agree. And at the end of the day, I mean I think you know, look, I, I am not beating up Unai Emery. This was a tough game because he had to make decisions about players who were fit and banned, and he also has a very, very big game on Thursday that, you know, he needs to win and win well given that it's, you know, we, we have to actually also go to Napoli, and I think we've pretty well covered our issues going uh, on the road. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's a tough spot, and ultimately, it's it, it didn't work out. I think it's worth pointing out, his last season at Sevilla, he went a whole season without winning away. Um, you know, when you look at something like that, I'm not saying it means anything, but you also can't say it means nothing. I think you have to at least say, I wonder if this is a manager who still has to balance how you play away from home and still control the narrative of the game, the flow of the game, the the story of the game. As you say, Clive, Tim, before we take a break, you know, I, I mentioned it earlier and I'm curious to get your take on this. I just felt this was a really bad game of football. Now look, normally, yeah. because um, I live a, a sedentary and lonely and isolated life, I'm able to sit on a couch in front of a TV and stare at the game. Um, I was actually in what they call a pub or a bar. There were other human beings there. Um, I was uh, consuming something they call alcohol. And as a result, my focus may not have been what it usually was. But when I was watching the TV screens, what I saw was not a particularly well-played game of football. And I'm curious to get your take just on... The, the lack of quality in the game, the, the court, short corners going out for goal kicks, the throw-ins to goal kicks, mm. the, the passes to no one. I mean, do you have any sort of explanation for just the the total lack of technical quality in the game from Arsenal?
4: I, th- I think we were just a bit ruffled, um, honestly, because <clears throat> if if Everton wanted one thing before this game started, they wanted... Messy and chaotic. Um, and, and oh, I that's thought you meant like got. Lionel
1: Messi. I was like, oh, so what? What are they? Chris Smalling? All of a sudden, bring well, it on.
4: Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they they were going for that that kind of long ball to Calvert. You know, every time the ball came to Pickford's feet, it was an up and under towards Calvert Lewin, and they had um, Hjulleson and Bernard um play. You know, playing those inside forward roles that actually Unai Emery really, really kind kind of likes. But um, I you know. Playing Mkhitaryan on the left and Özil on the right, it just it just wasn't very nicely balanced. And honestly, I I, I just think we are a little bit shook by it. And Clive's right, Goodison is um, you know for my money the the best ground in the league um, for atmosphere in terms of like the consistency of the atmosphere there, um, and they 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 really get on top of you and they really get behind you. That'll really oh, wind well, sorry, up our they...
1: Liverpool listeners. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good um, <laughs>
4: because, um but yeah he he you know they, they they kind of made the game a bit messy and unstructured and look the goal came from a long throw um and they were they were quite direct and and we we allowed them to set the tone for the game um basically and i and i think like i said we. we got quite a lot of sunshine players and um it it, you know not not they didn't you know turn tail and run it wasn't it wasn't quite that bad but they just they don't quite have that um that that quality to just turn a game around um, like that. And you, you look right through the team. Not Very few of them are, are, are like turnaround players, like clutch players in those scenarios. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think it was, yeah, it was a little bit. And look, it was a little bit also because we were missing three of our first choice central midfielders. That, as you say, that does make a difference. And Gendouzi and Elneny were miles apart um, for the whole half. They were barely in the same po- postcode at times. Um, Elneny, we know he's got a real aversion to passing the ball forwards, which was really what we needed. Um, and actually, I think there was space to do that. And Ramsey kind of, um, for the first 15 minutes of the half, got a bit of joy because he realised that if you run, there's a bit of space there. But um, Everton kind of closed that off quite quickly. So I think it was just a mixture of Everton wanted to play a, a, fairly, uh, a fairly direct game and we, we just couldn't deal with it.
1: Yeah, it's one of these things too, where like sometimes you just play poorly, and I think yeah, a, a certain number of changes. You know, Tim, is it, is it fair to say also that like we we tend to fall in love with our teams? That's the whole idea is to like your team and and fall in love with your team and not necessarily have the most perspective on it. And that like we are a Europa League team, we have been for a few seasons, and that while we have some extraordinary players like Ramsey and Ozo and Lacazette and and Aubameyang, we have some players that you know at this stage of their career, whether on the old side or the young side or just because of who they are, are kind of mediocre, and that maybe this just wasn't a very good eleven that was out there to start this game. I mean, am I I being rude to them to say that?
4: (laughs) There there is that a bit. I still think it was better than Everton's, and again, that doesn't explain why they look Completely unbeatable at home. Mm. Uh, we do, we don't we don't get these types of performances at home. So well, would um, this team know,
1: have have swept Everson aside at home? I mean, do you believe that that there would have been I, I enough? I think they'd
4: have won. No. Yeah, I think they'd have won. Um, I you know I'd, I don't think they'd have. I don't think any team we put out probably sweeps Everton aside. Although we beat them five nil at home last season. Um, with last we beat them five the two away.
1: We beat them five yeah. two away. I mean. It, yeah, yeah. And to be fair, look, let's not over. Over narrative, this. I mean, it was one nil. They got their goal from a yeah, yeah. borderline. Was it a foul throw? Not foul throw. Long throw routine that was really sloppy. For all their twenty-three shots or whatever, they, you know, they they didn't have huge chances that had you clutching your heart, saying, "I can't believe they didn't yeah. score there." I mean, this, this there wasn't much in this. <laughs> no,
4: and that that's the thing, isn't it? It's it's kind of impossible to take this in isolation because of the whole away form thing. If our away form was anywhere near um you know even average we probably just kind of write this off as a bad performance but it's impossible to take away the whole oh my god that was us away again and we've got a few more of these and and, and unfortunately i do think that's important because I, I wrote a piece a couple of weeks ago saying that i thought that we would we would improve away from home i'd seen some green shoots even in a game like ren's um when we had 11 men i'd seen some kind oh, of yeah green we were running shoots.
1: riot before we went down to 10 <laughs> yeah
4: and 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 like this this just brings that right back into question. And that means it brings it back into question for the players, which is, you know, the most damaging thing.
1: Sure. I mean, you know what's so ironic, Tim? If you look at those two games, the Wren game away. If you want to blame Emery for anything, it said he was too aggressive. He really went for it. He yeah, yeah. came out firing. And when we went down to 10, you just, he didn't take his foot off the gas. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you look at the Spurs away game where we were good, and we played with the back four, and we were very front-footed, and we played well. Um, and he kind of reverted in this game back to the things that didn't necessarily work early in the season. The funny thing is, if we win the remaining away games, and I know that's like saying, you know, if I wake up on Mars tomorrow, as many of you were wishing, um, sitting next to my friend Mustafi, uh, I mean, look, we'll wind up being one of the top six away teams in the league. So, you know, it, it, it looks bad, but remember, we've already played Liverpool away, City away, Chelsea away, United away, Spurs away, right? So, like, th- those games also have an influence on it. Let's do this. Let's take a break. Um you know, just just one last thing before we take the break. Are you surprised? I mean, the the Mkhitaryan on the left thing really surprised me and he didn't look comfortable there. Mm. And do you think that was too clever by half, if that's the expression that you use, because it just it took a player who had been in such red hot form and it seemed to totally neutralize yeah. him.
4: Yeah, definitely. I'm playing Uzil as an inside forward. For me, you play Uzil at number ten or you don't bother mm-hmm. yep. effectively.
1: Yeah, and, and you know what's funny? The, the funniest thing about that, you guys, and this is we saw this, I can't remember, maybe one of you remembers better than I do, in a, in a previous game. I don't know that Ozil would have stayed on as long as he did if it weren't for this whole they're trying to rebuild mm. the relationship together thing. I thought that Obamiyang for Ozil would have made a lot of sense um, and have Mkhitaryan, Obamiyang, and, and and Lacazette together because it wasn't happening for Ozil in that position and Obamiyang wouldn't have been shunted out wide. You could have gotten the two up front with one in behind. Um, Tim, do you just have maybe the sense that Though because Emery is trying to massage a relationship there he's sometimes yeah. making decisions he wouldn't otherwise
4: yeah, yeah yeah i do think so i think um Urzel was probably better that than that at brighton and he was hooked um at halftime i i you know i I, th- I thought he might be hooked at half time on this occasion because um, I could see Ramsey and Abamyang warming up very, very thoroughly. So I knew they were coming on, and I, I, I thought, well, I, I knew El was going to be one of the ones to come off, and I suspected Ozil might be the other. And uh, I think had it been December or January, that might have happened.
1: Yeah. All right, let's take a break. Um, there wasn't a lot of sexiness in this game, to be fair. But there can be a lot of sexiness in your home when you and your partner celebrate the arrival of your first enclosed lingerie gift. We're going to talk about that. We'll take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about Socrates and the fact that we now have to live without him for two whole games. Can't wait for that. So stay with us. We'll have more right after this. Okay, everyone, it's time to tell you about our friends at Enclosed Lingerie. You can find them online at the Enclosed the. E-N-C-L-O-S-E-D.com. Enclosed lingerie is a lingerie of the month club. That's right. Just like a beer of the month club, only better. Because it's a high-end luxury lingerie gift for you and your partner that's going to enhance the intimacy in your relationship. Right now, if you put in Arsenal at checkout, they're going to give you $35 off any gift from Enclosed Lingerie. So you're going to want to go to theenclosed.com and sign up now. What better way to celebrate the romance in your relationship than celebrating with a gift from The Enclosed. And the gifts keep coming every month. So while it can be difficult to remember to keep the romance to keep the intimacy in your relationship the enclosed has your back every month you're going to get that high-end luxury lingerie gift and it's going to remind you of the importance of romance in your relationship so do it now go to theenclosed.com. there is a perfect fit guarantee so you never have to worry about the fit it's beautiful high-end luxury lingerie just go to the enclosed.com and enter promo code arsenal for $35 off at checkout do it now Okay, we're back. Hope you enjoyed that. Uh, Whether you did or you didn't, we have more to talk about. And, Paul, I want to get into uh, a couple of details from the game. Um, We're going to talk Socrates. I thought he had a really good, strong game for the most part. Under difficult conditions. um, You know, he had a lot of good interventions. He blocked a bunch of shots. But he did pick up the yellow card that means a two-match ban. I actually have a weird sort of... Glasses have full take on this, which will be the first time I've ever done that. So we'll see if I do it right. But I am curious to get your thoughts on the impact of that band beyond just screaming shit for ten seconds straight into the microphone. Mm-hmm. No, you don't you know, that was it. That was all you were going to do. <laughs> oh, you? Sorry, I thought I thought there was more to come.
2: Uh, no, well, n- nope, that's bad. it. <laughs> yeah, we have two very good centre backs and. Uh, One of them gets injured quite a bit, Laurent Koscielny. Um, And the other one is Socrates. And uh, I think we're going to struggle maybe with Koscielny in the middle of a three, with uh, Nacho to his left, and uh, Mustafi, who's at the peak of his career, being 27 or something. Um, Until he's 28. Until he's 28. Um, And that's for two games, and I guess those are kind of important games. Um, but the good news is the next game's away. So, uh, so <laughs> what, what was the
1: good news, <laughs> ha, 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 uh, Paul? How how would you, in Socrates' absence for these next two games, let's assume Kachalny's back, would yeah, you just please. go one in one out and do the same thing, or do you think he's got to try something even a little more different? A little uh, mo- a little th- more different. How about just a little different?
2: <laughs> I, w- I was fine with a little more different. I think he's got to do one in one out. Uh, unless he's really ready to make a statement here, um, Mustafi hasn't been good for a little while here, so he's well within the his the bounds to to make a statement. But again, he doesn't have the choices. I mean, uh, you know what's he got? He's got Licksteiner. Well, uh, Ainsley Maitland-Niles with his head, header back to the keeper reminded us, reminded us of Licksteiner at centre back. So let's skip that. Um, I don't think he has a lot of choices here. I think it's Socrates. or sorry, it's Koscielny and Mustafi as his midfield too. Uh, I know uh, the other day you said that was the last time uh, Mustafi would start for us, but <laughs> I think I think you're going to have
1: have more of through. It's like, like he's going to play every single fucking game now. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Just and I mean it it, it is a, ha 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 laughing but like we got on a really good run with him out of the squad and I you know I'm not saying it's all him, but we did look pretty solid, and since then, now it looks like he's going to have to play every game. Is there any chance in your mind that Mavropanos comes in? I mean, it seems pretty clear to me that whatever we want to project Mavropanos into being someday, Emery doesn't see him as that today.
2: Yeah, I mean, the, the losing Socrates and playing maybe a three at the back might give him some excuse to uh, put in Mavropanos for a game and and establish him in the squad to, to just drop Mustafi uh, straight off would be a big statement to put in Mavropanos, who hasn't played anywhere. Um, so it, it, it feels like he needs a game, uh, kind of a, an interim step to begin to introduce him. Actually, he probably needs a couple of uh, kind of where the guy gets on for twenty or thirty minutes. Hopefully, somebody has a, a short but but not serious injury. Assuming that Mavropanos has something to offer us here, but. Um, I mean, I've always liked the look of the guy. He had a, a good game for us once, but the boy hasn't really seen uh, the heat of battle, so it's just so hard to just drop him in there. I think I don't think we have the options, um, and centre-backs aren't normally the things you, you bring on with 10 or 15 minutes to go, so... It, He's going to have to play some clever chess moves to get him into the shuffle in the next two games. I think he just rides it out, waits for Socrates to come back, keep Koscielny healthy. And, uh, I mean, he'll have Socrates for the Napoli game, obviously. Um, So uh, he gets the chance to keep somebody else fresh, be that Koscielny, buy him one more game. Mm. Um, But I I think he keeps Koscielny and... Uh, I mean, it's not something I find easy to say, but God forbid Matt Mustafi at the moment has his midfield or as his centre-back pairs and uh, hope hope they establish a little bit of form together yeah. or play as the three of the back.
1: See, the thing that's scary to me is I, I think Emery's going to do a lot of, you know, is going to be very introspective in the wake of this Everton performance and say, you know, maybe I have to change something up for our next away game. I've got to spark a reaction and maybe he feels he has to go to a back four. And a Koscielny-Mustafi back four is pretty scary. And I wonder if you might do Koscielny and Monreal. Not that that really inspires any confidence. The the glass half-full thing I was going to say, though, you kind of took it from me, is at least now Socrates doesn't play any football between the Napoli legs. So, like, he should be pretty fresh for that tie. And I think that's pretty important, especially <laughs> a way they can score goals and we will need him in real good form because he's been the anchor for us defensively. So, you know, we'll yeah. see what happens.
2: The, the thing you have against the Koscielny- th- uh, Monreal pairing is yet. I mean, it's not that Kishony can't play on the right of that, but it's not his natural bent.
1: Yeah, and so. I, I don't, I don't. I mean, look, Monreal is not a centre back. He can do it in a three, but in a two, I think that's asking a lot, especially physically. And Watford, which is the next game, I mean, they have Dini. They've got, you know, they've got someone who can bully you at that position, and I'm not sure it's a good fit. My, my hope is that they will still have a little FA Cup hangover. They've got a, a, an FA Cup final. Look forward to losing the city. So. You know, maybe just maybe they'll have their eye off the ball a little bit um, for our match, which which would be great. Clive, the second half of this game, there there were shoots of recovery uh, when the subs came in. They kind of faded away, and the the game petered out a little bit. But I'm curious to just sort of get your read on on the decisions he made and how they played. I mean, it, it it felt a little bit like throw all the good players on, right? Which which is fine. Ramsey, Owobi, and Obamiyang. I'm not sure what else you would do there, but. You know the the one thing that did bother me is Obama Yang was playing very very wide when he came on and never really got the chance to to be in the in the box at all. I mean, do you think that there was another way Emery could have structured this to to make those pieces fit together a little more coherently?
3: Yeah, I, I do. I, I want to see a two strikers play. I, I don't care what they do behind them. I think if you're going somewhere away from home with a team that's lacking a bit of presence, personality, and away a day confidence, play your two strikers. And let and try to dictate the story of the game. Try to impose your game on people. Um, you know, we spoke about and We all sort of like Mkhitaryan on the right hand side, but the reason why he played on the left hand side because Iwobi was so rubbish in the previous game. that he comes on in this game and looks like Neymar for 15 minutes. And you're thinking, you're thinking, actually, mate, you're you're you're, you're a really good player that we're starting to really believe in. And then you, and then you dip. Maybe another reason why our waveform is so hard to predict is that we either peak or we trough. We've got so many players like Urzel, Mkhitaryan, Iwobi, in particular. Then you, have, you have Kalashnik, Maitland-Niles. These players are they're, they're turning up, and they either give you an eight or a nine, or they give you a two out of ten. I mean, it's really that bad. I mean, some of those performances were make you question their their talent. And you mentioned quality. You know my thoughts about the squad. I think the manager's doing a great job getting what he's getting out of this squad. And sometimes you see the, the approach and the, the lack of quality under pressure that makes you question. You have to then think, well, okay, what is this? It has to be the mentality. Because there are other games that we sit and watch. We think within five minutes, we think... The other team haven't got a chance today, you know. I mean, you because we're just so at it, and so we then look for reasons to explain this away to ourselves. And we tend to look at it's easier to pick on one or two players. It's easier to pick on one or two systems. But during this two-year bad away form, we have had multiple systems and multiple players, and even had two managers. So it's very hard to pinpoint what this is all about, you know But what I will say is we're speaking about the period of the game that was positive And what I did like about that period of the game by adding Yang and Ramsey into the situation I actually I think they didn't do everything right But what they did say when they arrived was we're ready to play And we're going to play you and we're not looking at your game You're now gonna have to follow us and they upped the speed up the tempo and it was a tempo game. And that's what we lacked. We allowed them to dictate the story. And until we do that, it doesn't matter about systems. It doesn't matter about El Nenny. You can blame him. It's easy to blame him. It doesn't okay, matter about. I'll do that. That. It, it, it's, about <laughs> it's about how we approach these games. And we have to approach it with a lot more assertiveness and a lot more pace and a lot more intensity to then get teams to say, you know what? We can't do them today. We have to sit back. Once they sit back, we can be the team we are at home. When teams are sitting back, we can then control the game, positionally control the pitch, and really feed the ball into areas that we want to be in, not playing areas where we don't want to be in. And we're and we're doing that. We did this. We did this last year. Manchester United picked us off beautifully in the home game. They watched us pass around our back three, picked us off. We had a million shots. They had like two or three, and they won 3-1, well, I think it was. Um, that was what we were doing last year in our home game. That's what we were doing in some away games. That's what we did on Sunday. And it was very reminiscent of the West Ham game, and I found that equally hard to explain.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, this time of year, too, obviously some players are fit, some aren't. Um, the thing that's so disappointing to me is we played, we went two and a half weeks without playing a game. And the thought process was that we would at least be really fresh for the run-in, and this this was a game where we suffered both from players not being available and players looking leggy, and you know we just did not get the benefit of that bump that that time off at all, which is a shame. Tim, let me ask you to speculate about something for a minute, and then we'll get on to something mm-hmm. else. I mean, in your mind, can, are you prepared to draw the conclusion that Unai Emery has seen all he needs to of Dennis Suarez and has determined he's not the player he wants or needs? uh maybe i i th- i think
4: the same now as i as i did the day we signed him that he's he's there for backup um, but this was and, a day for
1: backup right and he went with a player he's shown well, no not, no appreciation of
4: not so much in attack i mean so really what what we've got to do is read between the lines here. What do we know about the loan deal? Arsenal absolutely 100% refused um, to have a buy, uh, like a, a buy clause um, put in there, which, I mean, what does that tell you? It tells you they, they didn't don't really want to buy him. him but, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it tells you they don't think he's better than Iwobi and Mkhitaryan, um, and players like that. And he was bought for backup. And since then, you know, Iwobi and Mkhitaryan, have, have stayed fit. Um, you know, since Mkhitaryan came back from injury, Özil's been reintegrated. Ramsey hasn't. You know that they, they just haven't. Lacazette and Abamyang have stayed fit to this point. There just haven't been injuries um, up there. But I think if you get a guy on loan at the end of January, on the premise that you absolutely walk away from the deal, rather than have um, a sell like a, a a buy clause inserted, it it tells you everything you need to know. So I do, I don't. Get why this is um why this is such a surprise. I th- I think this is kind of more of a Kim Kalstrom loan than 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 anything else. It's,
1: it's I think the surprise up. is people presumed because Emery had, had Suarez, but are, he was were they ever together actually when he was at th- Sevilla? Is that- I think they were like
4: fairly briefly, but apparently then like it wasn't like you know he absolutely loved him <laughs> then.
2: Yeah, well, because cause I think people he, do- he had him when he was very young. Yeah, uh, and in the run into the Europa League, he didn't play in the final, but he played in some of the qualifying games. I think, or he didn't start in the final. I think that's what I remember. So he, they had a brief intersection, but a I, happy one.
1: I think people use that brief intersection as a, a reason yeah. to presume that it was an Emery move, a player Emery wanted, that it was going to be his guy in the dressing room. I remember some, you know, the speculation is Emery needs his guy in the dressing room, that's why he's doing this. You know, someone who understands how he wants to play. And, you know, I mean, a lot of that was speculation that I, I think in hindsight maybe doesn't look as true. I just, you know, I do I do wonder if this were a player he felt more confident in, if maybe he would have started him alongside even Ganduzi in midfield, although maybe that's a position he's just I never did played. I most
2: of that speculation, so if you could tread lightly here. <laughs> I,
1: I want to thank you for bringing that up because I, I wasn't sure if I should bring that up. So <laughs> thank you for doing that. Um, so, Tim, I, I guess you know, then my my question to you would be, you know, if if you look at any move in this particular game, whether it's the lineup or the substitution pattern, given who was available and who wasn't, that you would have, you would change fully with the power of hindsight. What do you think, <laughs> if anything, just using the available personnel could have been done differently to maybe turn this game a different direction?
4: Yeah, not, not a like I, I didn't have that many problems with the lineup when I saw it, just because, I mean, first of all, like I said to you guys on the chat before the kickoff on the, on our WhatsApp chat, you know, I, I don't look at Emery's selections as 11s. I look at them more as 14s. Um, and I, I think, you know, to bring Ramsey and Aubameyang on would have been in the plan. I'm, I'm sure the plan was for <clears throat> 60 minutes rather than 45, but circumstances dictated 45. Um, I, uh, with what we had available, I, I would have played Mkhitaryan on the right, but it's I, I think probably with the power of hindsight I'd have gone with three behind the striker and I'd have had a on the left, Mkhitaryan on the right, Ozil number ten. Um, you know, ditch ditch the back three, go to a back four. Um, you know something something along those lines so that we'd have had i i really think that over the last few weeks one of the things that's that's really improved is just, is just having that bridge of three players behind the striker
1: mm-hmm.
4: i think that really creates because um particularly when you have three guys behind the striker if you have one guy behind the striker it's fairly easy for the opposition to go, well, we'll just drop our defensive midfielder there. But when you've got three, that's really, really difficult for the opposition to deal with because it creates uncertainty about who, who deals with these guys. And, um, and, and yeah, I think that's what I'd have done in hindsight. Erzil number 10, Iwobi and Mkhitaryan behind Lacazette and go to a back four. Um, but, like I said, I, I can't, I, I don't really like as uh, so it was an inside forward, but I, I can't pretend that that was massively occupying me before the game.
1: Well, and the reason I, I ask you that, Tim, is because we play Watford away on Monday, and two mm. days later we're in Italy for Napoli. Um, And I, I think, you know, if Ramsey is kind of at that red zone, if he's bumping up against the possibility of, of not being fit, you know, I mean, Emery's going to have to tweak what he did against Everton with that Thursday game in mind. And I you know I'm curious how you would do it. I I will tell you this. You you guys will appreciate this. Um so the night before the game when I was hanging out with him and Dave and we were having a drink and I said I think there's a chance it'll be an Elneny Dozy midfield and they're like, nah you won't do that. What makes you think that? <laughs> when the Arsenal social media account put out the Elneny uh firing in Galazos in training, <laughs> did you see that? Like no. two days two days before the game they're like, you know El neni top bins in training, and it was just like a video of El neni, you know, hitting the the postage stamp with with shots in training. I was like, "There's only one reason this tweet went out, and that's to get us ready for him starting on Sunday." I guess it's not that funny, um, but yeah, there's def you can definitely read between the lines when when some player who doesn't play a lot is the f- the feature in a social media post from Arsenal. It usually means they've got a role to play. Um, so, Paul, uh, we, we start to look forward now and. You know, the Everton result is disappointing. I, I think one thing that there are going to be people screaming in at, at this podcast for is everything I've contributed, but are you not going to bring up the referee? Okay, fine. We'll bring up the referee. Once again, Tim, I lost the opportunity to ask you about it. Um, I mean, you know, look, it's the calls that go for you and don't go for you that decide games. And while the reason I think the referee is a hard thing to bring up in this game is we were not good and we did not deserve points on the the basis of how we played. But sometimes... You get the points even when you don't deserve them. Lacazette probably should have had a penalty. There's debate about whether that throw was foul or not foul, and I don't want to get into parsing the words. I'm just going to say there's a debate about it. Um, I mean, do you think we can have some legitimate gripes with with those calls and others?
2: No. I think think refereeing in general is suspect because, uh, I mean, that Lacazette cleared out by Zuma isn't a... Latent yellow card in the box versus in the middle of the field. That happens in the middle of the field. It's absolutely a yellow card, um, but it's never given in the box. And I'm I'm not going to even begin. You know, I thought about it at the time, and I'm like, nah. If that was given against us, I think that was really odd because those aren't given. Um, See, it's funny. You know, I, th- he, I thought
1: it was a nailed-on penalty. No,
2: <laughs> no. Nope, nope. He, you know, it's kind no, of how I it take is your
1: that, I take your point. It's just funny how. That, I, yeah, how it's yeah. Different, you know.
2: The, de- the defender is allowed to fully commit to the tackle in the box and go for it. You know, you're allowed to get your head above your foot in the box to, cl- you know, do all sorts of weird shit in the box in the name of, uh, you know, the, look at what the goalkeeper can get away of it, it, away with in terms of bumping into people in the box versus if he, he can't handle it outside the box. But he can get, if he gets that physical with the player outside the box, you know, it's just, it's this bizarre world. But to me, that was a case where... I wouldn't have expected it to be given against us if it were the other end of the, the field. So wasn't too shocked. And the foul throw, I mean, interpretation, blah, blah, blah. But that was the least of our issues. And then it wasn't really hard for me because it's not like these were the... It was critical that they got the first goal, but they were so much better than us. And, you know, I actually do think they they created three or four chances that they should have done so much better off. A couple of them in, in front of goal, um, there was the... Uh, Maitland-Niles' uh, situation where uh, Bernd Leno came out and cleaned up, uh, he he came out against uh, Calvert-Lewin on the other side, uh, came out big and blocked off the goal. But they had him dead to rights uh, with the ball in the center of the box a couple of times and, and did nothing with it. So I don't really have any gripes with the referee. It's just refereeing's a bit weird.
1: It it is a bit weird, and I, I do think the the problem is just it's a bit inconsistent overall. I do think oh, yeah. there, there were some bad calls in this game, and you know we could have a little bit of gripe. I honestly think some of the issues were just cards that were and weren't given. Um, you know, I, I mean, Clive, the Socrates one is is obviously one that that's going to be a problem long term. Do you feel Socrates had any other option there? I mean, it, it was. I don't think he could have known at the time that the ball wasn't going to be better, but. Uh, he also has Mustafi, will be the only one there defending. I, I wonder if he took the card because he didn't trust Mustafi. I mean, you, you want to go amateur psychologist here and, and talk me through the decision there by Socrates and whether he had to make it?
3: It's, it's what he does, isn't it? He likes to move his man, he likes to feel his man, he likes to grapple. And that's what he does particularly against men that are quicker than him it's interesting when he plays against Harry Kane I think he's a perfect centre back for Harry Kane I think he's he's strong he's got weight and he's hard to move and Kane can normally move his centre backs so he can't move Socrates Kane isn't too quick so he doesn't scare him so he goes tight he doesn't have to foul him because he knows he can't run away from him He just got to body him and he does that really well with Calvert-Lewin is a bit more fear because Calvert-Lewin I I think he's the next Danny Welbeck actually I think he's somebody can play in the middle I think he can run down the sides I think he's very strong very quick he's a hard-running quite a British centre-forward that does well in the modern game. He can he can occupy two or three people, and people can play off of him. Everton were playing Ricardo on that front early in the year. They've moved away from that. As soon as they have, they started to hit some form with that front three, and um, if they just stretch the game, drop into spaces, be like Sam Allardyce with Crystal Palace a couple of years ago, and we struggled with that system as well. They just caught us, and I think um, Socrates, long as Cashel needs fit. And they can rotate the games. You already worked it out in your mind. I think we'll be okay. But this bruised foot come out of nowhere, hasn't it? Where's that come from? When did when did that happen? And I think it's a major blow. And we, for us to have the results that we need, eventually we can maybe we can maybe squeeze Watford, Chris Palace at home. So, you a know, slightly different game. But after that, it's about time we get those two together because. You know, of the games remaining, I, I don't think we can afford to lose more than one, right? So hmm. that's not going to happen without Koscielny and Socrates playing a few more of those games than they currently have done this season. We just can't seem to get them out on the pitch together often enough.
1: Yeah, I mean, let me ask you a question then. I, I'll I'll start with you then, Clive. I mean, based on this result... How are you feeling? I mean, obviously, when we did our predictions, your top four predictions were, how shall I say, bullish. (laughs) Um, I'm curious, you know, how this, you know, informs informs your feeling, both in terms of just because we still have a lot of away games and also just in terms of how everyone have picked up and not picked up points since we did the predictions. I'll go ahead and bring them up here in a second. But how, how has this changed your outlook at all?
3: I'm 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 concerned about the waveform. I, I also, that's that's an understatement, but I'm concerned we haven't worked it out yet, and I think we need to. Um, the Spurs game was was really pushing, and um, the way we approached it. So if we can do that. How do we go to Everton like this? I've got a little theory, right? It's almost as if... I thought Emery really dealt with this game very, very well from a press conference perspective. He brushed it off very, very quickly. I think he's already looking at Napoli. I think he's worked out he can probably lose two games. And this was one, and he did not want to dwell on it. Much like the batter game away, I felt as a fan group, we overreacted to that game. I think there were special circumstances that happened with the pitch, etc. And, and when we got back, we, we sorted them out, and we've been in much better form since then. This game surprised me. I don't see any reason why we couldn't get a point out of it. To lose it's a bit disappointing. But he's brushed it off. And it's almost as if... You know he's targeting other things this week, and this was one. He, I'm not saying he wanted to lose it, but it doesn't upset him beyond belief. And I think we need to react accordingly. I think Napoli is a very important game. We we can't go there without some form of a lead. And I think that's. I think he's got his eyes on that. And I think he, rather than risk certain individuals in this game, he wanted to make sure they're prepared for the next two games. And I, I'm I'm okay with that. I think many occasion we talk about Aaron Ramsey, for example, many occasion has that boy been overplayed and we've lost him for two, three months. And we all want to see our better players on the pitch with good characters. But if they're not fit and we end up losing them for weeks on end at a critical period, it doesn't benefit anybody and we just have to accept it. The problem is some of the uh, replacements were not up to it, and it it cost us another day. So, yeah, I'm still hopeful, but how can anyone be hopeful when we got basically the fourth worst away record in the whole league?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it is a worry that I think when we did our predictions was partly influenced by the fact that we felt good about how we had played at Spurs and thought that maybe we were on to something and we were on a hell of a run. This undermines that, I think, that theory a little bit. But I do want to point out, in our predictions... All of us had Arsenal finishing top four. So Scott, who I think was the least confident, still had us finishing third ahead of Chelsea, Spurs in fifth, United in sixth. Um, Paul, you had us third, Spurs, United, Chelsea. Uh, Clive, you had Arsenal, United, Chelsea, Spurs. And Tim. I have a second. <laughs> yeah. Tim, uh, Arsenal, Chelsea, Spurs, United. I had us third as well. For those of you who say I'm a doomy son of a bitch, I mean, the last part is true, but. It's still the case that I had us finishing that way. If you look at it, though, in all of our predictions, for example, we had Chelsea taking three points at Everton, which they did not do. Three points at Cardiff, which they did not do. Um, You know, we had Spurs beating Crystal Palace, which they did not do. We had United beating Wolves, which they did not do. So there were, um, you know, there are good signs here. The fact is, I ran the numbers. If all the games remaining go the way we predicted, we would still finish third- in everybody's model so it, it's still right there for us i mean tim final word are you now still feeling fine about your predictions or would you like to amend them no no i, I think i'm i think
4: did i have us on goal difference or something like that i, I have it right um, here
1: you have us uh, tied with chelsea on 77 yeah. points and ahead of them on goal difference
4: yeah yeah. Uh yeah, I think it will be that. So when personally when I was doing the predictions I was thinking everyone's going to drop points and and I still think that will happen like all all four of us are going to drop points. Um it 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 just depends in which combinations and where and when. Um obviously this this takes a little bit of margin of error. Um, away and I think it just I think it makes Watford super important not just because we're going to need the points but you look at when it's played we're playing after everybody else if everybody else has the opportunity to go ahead of us we're going to be really under pressure uh, when we kick off at Vicarage Road because um, I I appreciate like Chelsea have got Liverpool and Spurs have got Man City but um, you know United I think have got a home game haven't they and um, yeah I I I tend to think we could be under a lot of pressure and you know, it's on TV again and everyone's going to be talking about the away form in the whole build-up to it. And everyone's going to put Monday night football on and Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher are going to be talking for 59 minutes and 59 seconds about how shit we are away from home. The pressure is really going to be on. If we come through that, um, I'm, I'm still confident um, we'll do it. If, if we don't, I, I don't think we will. And not just because of not just because of the points thing, but I just think psychologically that would be too much to take.
1: Yeah, I mean it's interesting. In your predictions, and in most of our predictions, like you had us dropping points at Watford, getting no mm. points at Leicester, dropping points at Wolves. So there's still drop points you had predicted with us finishing third that, mm. you know, if we don't drop those, it makes the average in points okay. It's just we you're right, the margin for error starts to go away.
4: Yeah. And um, we can't take for absolute granted the home games just because we've been good at home. You know, we we could easily drop points in one of those. The, the good news is there's only two of them.
1: So, so yes. yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's not much. I mean, uh, uh, do you have do you have any feeling about what we're going to do on Thursday? Just real quick before we say goodbye. I mean, do you think this is going to be all change? And Torreira comes back, and Chaka comes back, and Ramsey comes in, and and Obamian comes in. I mean, how do you feel he might he might go for this one?
4: I think that we will see Xhaka, Torreira, and Ramsey um, all start. Um, I think he might patch Koscielny up um, <laughs> for this one. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him start, and I, and I think some of the players from Sunday will come out. I think Hirsell might start on the bench, for example. Um, I I I've got a sneaky feeling you'll play Bamiang and have Lacazette on the bench. Yep, same. Um, as well, because apparently uh, one of Napoli's fullbacks is very, very slow. And that being the case, I think Aubameyang running those channels—if um, we want to play a little bit on the counter—you um, know—could could that potentially could be a bit of a weakness we could go for?
1: Yeah. Well, I, I think the one thing that we're all going to agree on is we need quite a few goals against Napoli at home to feel <laughs> good going into that second leg. So. Yeah, I think he goes for it. And you know, it wouldn't surprise me if if some of what he picked against Everton had Napoli in mind, that there were guys that were on the borderline and he tried to get away with it at Everton so he could go for it against Napoli. I mean, this is a guy who's won the Europa League quite a bit. I'd be willing to bet that if you asked Emery privately, he would probably tell you the Europa League is the bigger competition for him right now than top four in the Premier League. We may not agree with that. It wouldn't surprise me. I mean, I'm sure he would love to end his season... Holding up that trophy. We all would like to see that happen, but I, I think it's particularly special to him because of his history with it. So we'll see what happens. Um Tim's on Twitter, at Stilberto, thank you, bud.
4: My pleasure as always.
1: Pause on Twitter, pause my pants. Thanks, pause. Clive, <laughs> he said while driving away in a car at 70 miles well, an hour. I wanted, by the way, I
2: want to distance myself from the uh, the predictions I made before. I did not have sexual relations with that woman, or those statistics, or those predictions.
1: I don't know. You're the one who just a few minutes ago was saying something like nasty shit happens in the box, or something. I don't know. Uh, anyway, uh, Clive's on Twitter at PFC, Thanks, Clive. Thank you very much. My name is Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. Uh, In fact, that just happened to someone today. So there you go. Very timely. Uh, Leave us a five-star review. Write nasty things about us. Uh, Go to arsenalvisionpodcast.com forward slash FBAS and uh, vote for us in the FBAs or vote for whoever you like better than us. Just vote. Voting is important. Democracy in action or democracy in action. You know. Uh also join our Patreon and get in the Discord chat. Uh one of the fun things we do, Matt at Giant Gooner on Twitter sort of started this and I love it. Um he live tweets or live discords or whatever his reaction to listening to the podcast. It's quite funny. Uh I enjoy it. In any event, we love you. Uh I am off to uh Hong Kong. So there's a chance that you will be free of me in the post Napoli podcast, which means it will just be high quality uh analysis and no bad jokes. Um but someone's gonna have to end the pod by saying the, the whole 10 0 thing. So make sure you do that. In any anyway, event, we love you. We got to turn it around. It all starts on Thursday against Napoli. We'll talk to you after Arsenal 10. Napoli 0.
0: I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast.